Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. Dr. Jacobs, the whole family, and everyone that has put a hand to this, can we give them a big thank you for that? Because I look around, some of these are things that I could not, I couldn't put up. So we're thankful for those that took the time to do this. Um, the, even the merch, did y'all see that back there? That booth, is, it's amazing. So everything that they did, every detail, they did that for us. So we thank you all for that. And then y'all can be seated. It's good to see y'all this morning. I'm going to jump right into it. Um, You know, our theme is devotion. Okay, and I'm not usually a topic or a title messenger person, but I made one just for you all. You know, I say a lot, and you're like, what was she even talking about? This is the title. And the title is Turn to Him and Tear Down. Turn to Him and Tear Down. Amen. So we're going to talk about that, that in our devotion, it's going to take us staying turned towards God. Turn towards him with our heart. And then it's going to take us tearing down the things that God wants teared down in our generation. Um, if you guys have not noticed, this is a generation that has allowed a lot of different things in, in this generation. But as a church, we have to stay a generation that stays devoted to tearing down what does not belong. Um, just as the world is bold about putting things up and pushing things upon us. The church has to be devoted to tearing things down and standing steadfast and firm in our relationship with God. Because it's really about a relationship with God. The world is really attacking your relationship with your Heavenly Father. You know, Dr. Jacob's deliverance book, and he's talked about one of the objectives of demons is to stop us from knowing him. To stop us from knowing God. So as believers, we have to stay devoted to the relationship. And any relationship, you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to fight to stay in it. You're going to have to fight to stand in it. So with our relationship with God, it's going to take us putting up a good fight and a fight of faith. You know, the Bible calls it a good fight of faith. That means it's a fight that you're going to win. And man, it's a fight of faith that is going to take our faith. And our faith is the victory in every fight. It's not about um, how skillful, you know, you know in about 100 scriptures. You just need two good scriptures that you know how to wield like a weapon. And you can stand firm in the fight. And it's a good fight. And man, a good fight is a fight that you know you're going to win. That as a, a generation, we should already know the outcome of this fight. And then we win. Amen? Even though the world can be putting on a good show right now, at the end of the day, the church wins. Amen? So let's look at Jeremiah 24, verse 7. Jeremiah 24, verse 7. So we are already, you know, Jesus already put us on the winning side. Our big brother, Jesus Christ, he already automatically gave us the winning side. And to stay on that winning side, we have to stay close with him. And one of the definitions that I found for devotion meant closeness. That we have to stay devoted and we have to stay close to God. You cannot be devoted to something that you only see maybe once a week. You know, even in natural relationships, there's no such thing as a really close relationship with only fellowship very sparsely throughout your life. So for us to stay devoted, it's going to take a closeness with him. Amen? And really one thing, you know... That came to my mind when I heard this um, topic was a quote that Pastor Diana gave. um, I felt like it was a few years ago. And this was what she said. Don't let the world separate you from God. And don't let the world separate you from each other. In this fight, you're going to need God. And in this fight, you're going to need each other. So it's so important that we stay close-knit to God, our Savior. 
And we stay close-knit with each other in the body of Christ. A good fight is when you got people fighting with you, too. You know? You don't want to just be out fighting alone. But even if it looks like you're fighting alone, the Bible gives us confidence that there's always more for us than against us. So never look at your reality as it's just me in this life, it's just me trying to live and whatever. No, the Bible declares that there's always more for you than against you. Even when you feel like you're backed up and it's just you trying to stand fast, that you have a help. And we're going to talk about some of that help tonight. But starting in Jeremiah 24, verse 7, it says, I will give you a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. And that word heart where it says, I will give you a heart, he's talking to all of us. He's going to give us a new heart. And that word heart means determination of will. So that means he's given us a determination to know him. That each one of you on the inside of you, you have a hunger, an appetite. And that's what that word also meant, was appetite. That God's given us a designed appetite and determination to know him. You have that all on the inside of you. Even though we can act like we get bored in life, whatever, deep down, you're really thirsting and hungering for more of him. And so right there, God gave every child a determination to know him. And then that, another word that I want to point out in that is return. That word return means to turn towards, to return back. And we're, we're turning back to our first love. You know, in Revelation, he had to talk about that, how the church was falling away from their first love, the one that first loved him. And God is the first one that loved all of us. And we have to make sure that we stay turned towards him at all times. Amen. Real quick, everybody stand to your feet. Real quick. Amen. Okay, and this is just a little example. Okay, can everybody uh, turn towards the Devotion merch booth? Okay, can everybody turn towards that TV that has the time on it? What time does it say? 10.06. Okay, can everybody turn towards the piano up here? Okay, praise the Lord. You guys can sit down. So as you guys were turning... All of you were turning, all of you, right? You were turning the whole being, the whole body, towards whatever I was calling out. And that's what this scripture is talking about. Not just turning to God and taking a glance at him. No, he's saying turn towards me. Turn your whole heart, your whole being back to me. And that's what we have to do as a generation. You know, when we, we just got all up, we saw the whole congregation turning and moving and that's what God is asking for this generation to turn as a whole towards him. Not just turning our head, not just taking a glance, but turning towards him completely and wholly. And that's devotion when I'm turned towards him. And that's what he said. I'm giving you a new heart that you can identify me, distinguish me. You can know my voice in the midst of many voices. And that you can identify who I am. And so now let's look at um, 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. So we see, just starting off, Jeremiah is telling us he's given us help to turn towards him. He's given us a new heart, a determination, a hunger for him. And then in that scripture, he's also given us the, um, really, a description of a close relationship. He's saying, basically, I want to be in a relationship with you. That I will be your God and you will be my people. But like I said at the beginning, this is a relationship that we have to stand fast in for. That this was a relationship that was really handed to us through Jesus Christ. But this is a relationship we have to maintain. Anything good you get, you have to maintain it. That this was freely given to us. We were freely forgiven. We were freely loved. So we were handed this relationship, but we have to stand fast in it. So 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 4. 
It says, for I am zealous for you with a godly eagerness and a divine jealousy. This is Paul talking. For I have betrothed you to one husband to present you as a chastised virgin to Christ. But now I am fearful lest that even as a serpent beguiled Eve by his cunning, so your minds may be corrupted and seduced from wholehearted and sincere, pure devotion to Christ. Verse 4. For you seem readily to endure it if any man comes preaching another Jesus than the one we preach. Or you received a different spirit from the spirit you once received or a different gospel from the one you received uh, and welcome. You tolerate all that well enough. So right here, this is Paul, and keeping it simple, look at the scripture in a relationship. And that's what he gave us, a marriage, a bride and a husband. That he's saying that I, I brought you into this union. That Paul is talking about that because he came to preach a gospel. And he was really preaching a relationship. Receive Jesus. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. And we, you know, throughout the Bible, that it, it talks about the church being the bride and Jesus and God our husband. And that he's coming back for his bride. But right here, Paul is going to, he's correcting the church. Because he's saying, just like all of you, if anybody's already married or going to be married, that when you're in, you know, that engagement, that engagement means that really you're already committed. That we're committed to going into this marriage. And that there's going to be a set date that we get married, right? But he's saying, you all have had, there's a set date for us to return to our husband. But you guys are getting distracted with different people. And, you know, just like in a natural marriage, we can understand that's wrong, right? Nobody wants to get committed and married to somebody that's distracted looking at everywhere and everything, right? So he's saying that's what the church began to do. They began to look and take on other idols that began to replace the first place that belonged to God in their hearts. But he's saying how did they get there? He said they were seduced. They were tricked into receiving a different gospel, into receiving a different theology and doctrine. And all of that happens through your, your hearing the Bible says the ear tasteth words as the mouth tasteth meat. If you're going to stay devoted, you're going to have to guard your tasting. You're going to have to guard your hearing. Because through the hearing, that's how you believe. You begin to believe bad words. If you hear you're stupid long enough, you're dumb, you're not going to be anything long enough, you're going to begin to believe that in your heart. But God is saying, I'm giving you words of life, and I want you to take hold of that and begin to believe that. So we have to guard our hearing and we have to guard our heart. The Bible says, above all things, guard your heart. If I'm going to stay devoted, I'm going to have to guard my ears and guard my heart. Because with my ears, I hear what I need to believe. And with the heart, it gets in, it gets planted. And that's where I begin to believe. Amen? So we have to guard it. You're going to have to fight for this relationship to maintain it. And all of us, everybody wants a relationship like that. Not just somebody like, do you want to be with me or not? You know? You want somebody that's, that's certain and steadfast. That, no, I'm, I'm sure. I'm positive about this. Not someone that can waver and be with you one minute and switch up the next minute. But this is what the church is doing. They're for God, and then they have a bell. They're worshiping bell the next minute. They're for him this moment, and they're switching up. Devotion means I'm steadfast. I'm consistent. And that's what we need to be towards God is steadfast and consistent. Like Pastor Alvin taught us yesterday that God is devoted to us. So we have to be in return devoted to him. So let's look at um, Matthew 12, 43 through 45. And you can also write down um, Genesis 3, 1 through 6 with that first, uh, the last verse. Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Because he, he compared Eve in that passage that Eve was beguiled. And Eve was really tricked through a conversation. If you look back at it, she just had one conversation and she meditated on it. And that meditation turned into an action, and it turned her heart 
away from God. One conversation turned Eve's heart away from God. One conversation that was meditated on tricked her to thinking that God did not give her everything that was available. She thought that God was withholding. And one thing about our generation, you have to realize God withholds nothing good. The world is trying to show you that there's other things out there that you're not able to get in touch. But no, God is a provider. And he will always give you what you need. He knows what we have need of. But Eve was tricked out of that relationship into thinking she was missing something. That what she had was not enough. And if you eat this apple, you'll be good. And so in, in, in Genesis it says she began to see the apple is good. A conversation made her see what was bad for her, good for her. So even with us, our generation, we have to watch conversations and songs. Because really the songs you listen to, they're conversations. And some of them are conversations with demons. So we have to watch the conversations we're listening to in music, the conversations we're listening to on the news, movie, TV shows, because all of that is to persuade you away. And that's what Paul is saying. Don't take on another word that was not preached to you. That was not the original message, the original gospel that was meant to save your soul. Because this gospel has the power to save your soul. The Bible says even when you go out to preach it, it can save you. The one that's preaching it and the, those that are hearing it. This is a powerful gospel that we cannot compromise. That we have to fight for. And so Matthew 12, 34, I'm sorry, 43 through 45. Amen. And looking at this before I read this, I want us to look at this verse, not just as an individual, but as a, a generation. And it reads, when a demon is casted out of a person, it roams around a dry region, looking for a place to rest, but never finds it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I moved out of. So it goes back only to find that the house is vacant, warm, and ready to move back in. So it goes looking for seven other demons more evil than itself. And they gather together to live there. The person's condition becomes much worse than it was in the beginning. This describes what will happen to the people of this evil generation. So right here we have to realize there were generations before us that fought for the relationship with God. There were generations before us that casted out evil spirits and idols that did not belong in our nation. You know, because America, when you look back, it was supposed to be founded on God. It, was, it, it really had a covenant with God. But over time, we had different generations that began to bring in things that were once casted out. So looking at this scripture from a generational standpoint and view, that he's saying there can be a generation that experienced deliverance as a whole. But when that ge next generation after begins to bring back what was once casted out, it will be worse than before. And that's exactly what we're kind of seeing here, right? You know, the older people, I ain't never seen a generation like this. Yeah. <laughs> we never did this in my day, you know? And it's because it's a spiritual attack. Yeah. We have turned away the stronger man. You know, the Bible talks about how can a man come and take the spoils of the house unless he binds up the stronger man. So if a generation casts out the stronger one, the greater one, that is supposed to abide on the inside of him, it makes room for demonic and evil spirits. So as a generation, we have to make sure that we protect the relationship so that other evil spirits can't come and bring their friends back to our generation. But that's exactly what we're experiencing, is a generation that gave up their deliverance, a generation that gave up the gospel that was able to save their soul, and taking on different things, witchcraft, which your zodiac sign. You know, there's a lot of things that <laughs> were old, very old school. There's really nothing new. 
But why it's a shock is because we experienced a deliverance and things have come back. So there's a generation that said, we didn't know any of this. And, and it's true to them because they were living off of the fight of the generation before then. And they got to reap the fruit of that. But then the generations after began to give themselves over to idols and gods. And now we're back to where we've never seen a day like this before. So we have to get back to a place of devotion and begin to tear down what does not belong. So I turn to him and I tear down what does not belong. And that is devotion. That the Bible, God even said, he said, if you're, you're with me, you're going to be doing my works. You're either for me or against me. You're either casting out or you're inviting in. So it's either or. He said, if, and he talks about that because they try to persecute him for casting out demons. He said, I'm doing this by the spirit of God. This is not by another demon. I'm casting out demons. He said, a house divided cannot stand. And that includes the church. If we are divided as a church about what is right and what is wrong, it cannot stand. And then we begin to invite anything and we have different standards. We have different lines that have already been crossed because we have different levels of devotion. But we have to be a devoted house together. And last verse... Um, let's look at, let me see here. Keep your stronger man. Amen. Amen. Keep your stronger man. Look at um, Acts 10.38. This is the last verse. Acts 10.38. It says, How God anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with strength and ability and power. How he went about doing good and in particular curing all who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil. For God was with him. So right here, God exemplified our anointing and our calling. That we are to be curing the harassed and the oppressed with the power. Not with our own magic spells, not with the wine, not with positive affirmations. Because you got to watch where the, some of those affirmations are coming from. A lot of Christians have picked up books of positive affirmations that have come from a different spirit. The only affirmations you need are coming straight from the Bible. Take those scriptures and begin to affirm them and confess them. Don't pick up a random book to, to build yourself up. You already have a book for that. You already have a word for that. Don't go find another. But right here we see that we've been anointed this generation. We've been anointed. And when Jesus was anointed, you realize he had to know what was his hour. The Bible talked about that, you know, before it was his hour, he said that it's not my hour yet. And then when his hour came, he knew and perceived, this is my hour. So I want to encourage you all, this is your hour. This is your hour to use the anointings, the giftings, the callings that God has put on the inside of you. This is your hour to tear down what does not belong. But we have to be steadfast in it. You have to be confident in it. There's things going on that does not belong in our generation. There's things happening even in churches that does not belong. You know, Paul had to correct um, the man that was sleeping with his stepmother. And he said, he talked to the church, he said, you all should have been grieving that this was happening amongst you all. You all should have been very upset that this was happening in the body, in the church, in the temple, where God is to be glorified in worship. So we have to get back to that heart that we're, we're, we're steadfast about what is wrong. And, and just leaving with you uh, one thing, Josiah, King Josiah. King Josiah was eight years old when he went into kingship. And I did my math, if I did it right, he was 26 when he found the book, that the book of the law, that talked about how they were to stay devoted to God. And at age 26, he began to tear down as a king what other kings allowed back into the kingdom that was kicked out. And he was so detailed and dedicated to that. They talked about he went and ripped out tombs that were worship places to false gods. He, he tore down Asher poles. He got out different gods and different statues. 
You know, a lot of these symbols that we're seeing now in jewelry and different stuff, you have to watch. What is this worshiping? You know, I'm not saying you got to be really weird, but you got to know the meaning behind a lot of things. You need to know the meaning behind stuff before you purchase it. <laughs> but King Josiah, he was the youngest king, but the Bible recorded there was no other king that turned holy to God like him ever before him or after him. There was no other king that was so devoted as him to tearing out what did not belong. And so him as being the youngest king coming in, it doesn't matter your age. You have power to tear down. So don't discredit or qualify yourself. You know, don't despise your youth. You have authority and power to tear down. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, you guys are going to have a bless. Y'all come on and stand up. Because <laughs> we're going to enter into worship. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Are y'all ready to tear down some things? Yeah. Amen. Well, with your worship, you have to realize that's one. Yeah, yeah, come up. Yeah, come on. Come on up. Uh, just to encourage you with your worship, this is a way you can tear down things. The Bible says that your worship, it silences the enemy. Amen. So enter in wholeheartedly. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media. 